Baseball 360 friends, welcome back to another episode. We got a nice little weekend special here for you. We have some plans this weekend that kind of altered our recording schedule, so we're going to give you this special weekend episode. Yeah, I mean, a little surprising on uh, both of our ends. I didn't think we were going to be able to record an episode this week, but as fate turned out, you can't bring us down. You can't let us not record an episode, so we're here for you. We're going to give you the lowdown on what happened this week so far and uh, prep a little bit into what next week brings for us here. Yeah, you know, it's very rare that a uh, flat tire can be a blessing for you. Um, We were able to have our plans altered by a flat tire, this time in a positive way. And because of a flat tire, you now have a weekend special episode with us. It's always great when you could see our face. Yeah, for sure. And, you know... Hopefully everything works out on your end with your flat tire, but as for our fans, we got a lot to talk about, and uh, let's buckle in. Let's start, let's get this, uh, this, this show on the road, as they say. A little pun there for you. I like the puns, I like the puns. Uh, let's go to first base, guys. Let's dig this out of the box. The Oakland Athletics. Moving to Vegas? I believe so. They went over there, scouted some land, and I believe purchased some property. Am I right, Fazio? Yes, they did. They actually went out there. They kind of scoped the land. I mean, there's a lot of Vegas land out there. Desert, if you will. It's not obviously in the bad parts of the desert. It's near the Vegas Strip, so that's great news. Uh, But it's actually supposed to cost around $1.5 billion, with about $500 of that uh, being publicly funded up to the municipalities involved. So... Uh, there's still some politics that need to be ironed out. They still need to really kind of consider, uh, exactly when they're going to, you know, have the the team play there right now. It's looking like they're going to have the inaugural season in 2027, but after the 2024 season, supposedly they're not going to be in Oakland anymore. So there's a couple of years there where they may have to play at the AAA affiliate in Las Vegas. I believe it's the, uh, aviators, if I'm not mistaken, and they may have to, you know, kind of borrow their ballpark and share it uh, together uh, in the 2025 and 2026 seasons uh, while they're kind of building this new stadium. But exciting news for the people out in Vegas. I mean, they got the uh, they obviously got the Oakland Raiders. Now the Las Vegas Raiders are playing there. Uh, the Las Vegas Knights are doing excellent in hockey. Uh, they made the Stanley Cup a couple of years ago. Uh, and, you know, it just seems like right now it's the place to be for sports teams. No, this is exciting news if you're an A's fan. Um, however, they are were given a deadline imposed to them by Major League Baseball that they have to get this stadium deal finalized by, I believe, January 2024. So, you know, the pressure is on to get this done. But the way things have been shaken out in Oakland for the athletics, fans are completely disinterested. They are literally, they sold off all their good players the fans were thinking about doing a reverse boycott. Save your money, guys. It's not going to work. They, they won out of Oakland. This historic baseball franchise, you're watching it crumble in front of your very eyes. It's kind of sad to watch. When I was watching them uh, play the Mets over the weekend, it looked like I was taken to a time capsule watching them play in that stadium. It, just like, it looked like the 1970s in there. It's just it's time for a change. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for Oakland fans, I'm sure that's going to be news and, and, you know, obviously like things that you don't want to hear as a fan. You want your team to be in the city in which you're representing, of course. And, you know, I, I can kind of sympathize 
with those fans now pretty much losing all major league teams. Uh, had a really rough go there. Front office did not seem like they wanted to really make a huge concentrated effort with the local authorities to build a new stadium. I know they had plans to do that and they tried as much as they could to work a deal with them. And, and the local officials were just like, we can't do this. We don't want, we don't have the money. We can't operate this. I don't think this is going to work out. And so as far as Las Vegas people and, and fans go, this is a great opportunity. I think, you know, the fans, from what I'm understanding, it's not really an issue with local authorities to put up the money. I think they want a team there. And I know the stadium out in Oakland is, is really run down, as you said, Mike. And so, you know, it would be interesting to kind of see, like, the sketches and how the stadium kind of looks and what the team colors are going to be, if they're going to change that and kind of give a new feel to it. But, you know, ultimately at the end, I think this is the right move for the team. It just sucks for the people out in Oakland losing yet another franchise. It's really going to be fun to finally see it come to fruition. I know for the longest time, um, not just baseball, but professional sports in general, they were kind of shying away from Vegas. I think all that went away when they started advertising things like DraftKings and FanDuel. They were like, okay, this is a little hypocritical. Let's expand. Yeah, I mean, and why not? The opportunity is there. The money is out there in Vegas, obviously, with all the casinos and the hotels. I'm sure they'll make things really nice, look really good. Then now you got three major league teams. You got the the Golden Knights, the Raiders, and now the A's. Uh, So, I mean, for Vegas, I mean, you got to be pumped for this. And I'm sure those sports books are going to be bopping, too. I can't wait to go there with you. We're going to have to knock that off our stadium tour, that's for sure, as well as the uh, Coliseum in Oakland. Definitely. We'd love to get out to the Coliseum next year, for sure. I think that should be a goal for us, for this channel. Do a, like a final goodbye, like a little tour of the stadium to see what you know what's left of there. And uh, yeah, once 2027 rolls around and this channel's still existing... We'll be out there in Vegas for the inaugural season and uh, definitely get some sights and sounds of there, that stadium, and definitely you know watch a ball game. So exciting stuff there. And uh, let's see what the future holds for us there. Why don't we take it over to second base, shall we? Let's go. All right, heading over to second base. Let's go out west. Mets, Dodgers. Mets took two out of three out in L.A. Love to see it. I think they took advantage of a Dodgers team that is – just not the Dodgers they used to be. They seemed like a shell of their former selves out there. Anywho, the third game of the series, we saw something a little wonky. Max Scherzer, off to a rough start this April, just keeps getting more and more aggravating for him. He was ejected for a little sticky substance on his hand, which, Fazio, if I'm not mistaken, that's like the rosin and sweat. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And I mean, you could kind of see it on Max Scherzer when he was talking to umpire Phil Cuzzy, yelling at him, being like, dude, this is sweat and rosin. Like, there's nothing else. And Phil Cuzzy actually has uh, ejected a couple of pitchers in the past for, I believe, the same exact thing. And so for Scherzer, I mean, you know how intense he gets on the mound. He was fired up. And I believe they checked him the inning prior as well, being like, hey, what's on your glove? And he's like, nothing. Take a look. I got nothing. And then he goes back out there, and then he gets ejected. So a lot of frustration on his end for sure. To be honest with you, the Mets are killing it right now. They're 6-1 and one this road trip thus far. Uh, they have a few games going up against the Giants this weekend that obviously we're recording on Friday. We don't know the results just yet. But, I mean, in terms of the team, you know, they're doing pretty well. They're keeping pace with the Braves. They're only a game and a half behind them as of right now. 
And, you know, the Braves are just going to keep dominating, as we'll discuss next after this. But, you know, Mike, I'm just kind of curious about on your end, like, do you think with the pitch clock is the reason maybe why Scherzer's not himself? Yeah, I think he's feeling the pressure. Um, He was kind of called out for being, quote unquote, not in baseball shape. But yeah, Max, we know how he is. Um, He's a feisty competitor and anything that kind of gets in his way will irritate him. Um, Like you were saying in that game, the inning before he got looked at and he had to switch his glove. He switched to a new glove and... I actually was watching the game, but I had to leave. And then all of a sudden I get a call from my dad saying that Max has been ejected. And I was like, for what? And it was for the sticky substance. It's very frustrating. Um, You thought he was going to appeal, but they turned out to just let it go. So Max is going to serve the 10-game suspension. I think the Max Scherzer could use kind of a start off. Uh, Justin Verlander should be coming back next week, if I'm not mistaken, or somewhere around that time. The Mets have not been a perfect baseball team by any stretch of the imagination, but they're getting wonderful offensive contributions from guys like Brandon Nimmo, Pete Alonzo, and Francisco Lindor. Uh, as they go, the offense goes, and as and I watch them on a nightly basis. You know, you guys know that uh, they are they're frustrating at times, but at the end of the day, if they are getting the winning results, I can't really complain too too much. No, and I want to take it on the other side, too, with the Dodgers before we move on here. Uh, as of this recording, they actually just wrapped against the Cubs. They lost 12 nothing to them. They're now a uh, game under 500 at 10-11, game and a half back of the Diamondbacks, who you know we'll, we've sung their praises before on this podcast for sure. But as far as that series goes with them, you know, outside of Kershaw getting his like 200th win, we kind of predicted that this team was going to be struggling and we're seeing it so far. Now the Padres are also struggling. They're also at 10, 11 as of this recording. And now with the you know Diamondbacks being where they are, it'd be interesting to, to follow them. And I know last show we said, we're going to keep an eye on them. And so far so good with them. Yeah. The Diamondbacks seem to be almost a year ahead of their development just wonderful. You could tell the team is in a really good place because they were able to DFA Madison Bumgardner. Yes, that Madison Bumgardner. They don't need him. They kicked him to the curb. They're getting contributions from Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly. They're killing it. Yeah, and I mean, who knows who will pick up Madison Bumgardner? I know the Yankees are hurting for starting rotation. I wouldn't be surprised if a team that's in contention takes a shot with Bumgarner. Maybe he just needs a change of scenery. And if he goes out somewhere else, he could thrive. We, we mean, we have, we've, it's not like we haven't seen it from past players before. But, I mean, just seeing his performances on the Diamondbacks, it just looks like he just doesn't have it. You know, it'd be funny if the Dodgers go out and get him so him and Max Muncie could kind of make up and become friends. <laughs> I wouldn't surprise me at this point. I think the Dodgers are looking anywhere to get something going for their team. Foz, I want to stay with this NL West. San Diego Padres lost two out of three earlier this week to the Atlanta Braves. Braves seem to be cruising. Uh, They just got Max Freed back. He had a strong start, five strong innings from him. Padres just got Tatis back last night. Hopefully he can add a spark, get this offense going. Um, However, the presence of Fernando Tatis, I don't know if that'll make up for Juan Soto's sub-200 average. I don't know what's going on with that man. But if he starts hitting, uh, Xander Bogarts, by the way, is on fire. He's worth every penny so far. 
this weekend, they got the series with the Diamondbacks. It's kind of a test to see who the Diamondbacks are, but also who the Padres are as well. Now is their chance to try to take advantage of this division, try to fatten up while the Dodgers aren't playing to the best of their ability. Definitely. And with Juan Soto, I still believe the pitch clock has got him all screwed up. I think it's showing perfectly on display whenever he's at bat. I think he's just got to mentally get out of that space and just like figure out a, a way that he can just get comfortable there. Uh, and if he doesn't, you're going to see the sub-200 average linger around, unfortunately. But going with the team itself, I mean, they only scored two runs against the Braves, and they won, when, they won the game Wednesday 1-0. Uh, and so they have to figure out a little bit more on offense. And you know, going back to the game last night against the Diamondbacks, they were able to score seven runs against them and win that game seven to five. So I just think offensively, you know, like you said, with Xander Bogart showing up, May Machado, you know, not really seeing too much from him. He's doing okay, like for what he, he's worth, but I think he could step up a bit, get a little bit going on offense. He was your pick to MVP. So I'm not really seeing some MVP numbers from him. It'd be nice for him to pick it up a little bit. We'll look to see if they do that against the Diamondbacks and kind of keep pace with them. Yeah, right on there, Fazio. Let's head over to Houston, huh? Astros taking two out of three against the Toronto Blue Jays. Big series for both these teams, huh? Definitely. I mean, the Blue Jays are trying to keep pace with the Rays. Um, you know, they unfortunately were caught up with the Astros kind of getting hot all of a sudden. The Astros put up a bunch of runs. They won 9-2 to Monday. They lost 4-2 to on Tuesday, but came right back 8-1 to Wednesday. Uh, Luis Garcia pitched one of his best games as a starter in his career. Went seven innings, got nine Ks, only gave up two hits. And uh, I think we're seeing right now the Astros, you know, they're, they're second behind the Rangers in the standings, but I think they're going to start turning around a bit. They got off to a little bit of a slow start. We kind of teased that as well with Jose Altuve, you know, being injured and not coming back until at least mid-May. So we'll see now if this is the spark they needed to beat a really good team in the Blue Jays. And, keep on going and seeing how they can go, you know, for the next couple of weeks. Um, it seems like they're starting to get their legs under them and start starting to produce. Yeah, we did mention how the Texas Rangers are going to have to take advantage of uh, the Houston Astros early in the year, try to create some space to the best of their ability. All the Astros need to do is get hot and the rest of that division screwed. You've yet to see the Mariners show any life. They're 8-11 and right now. They're starting a three-game set this weekend with the St. Louis Cardinals, two teams that need to get back on track. Uh, but yeah, going back to the Astros real quick, just between Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, um, and Alex Bregman, Jeremy Pena, I mean, I can go on and on. Once they start clicking, and if one just one of those guys get hot for a month, they can carry that entire team. Uh, Luis Garcia, that wonderful outing the other night, that pitching, one through five, incredible. Uh, you have yet to see Lance McCullers start a game. So they got the depth, They and then once Altuve comes back, it's icing on the cake. The Texas Rangers, if they want to they wanna have any shot at winning the division, because now I think they're in contention. They're in contention for a wild card, but if they want to win this division, they, they got to fatten up early because the Astros are coming. And also, they have to have Jacob deGrom uh, healthy. He came out of the game his last start, a few innings. He had his, uh, an injury to, I believe it was his side, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? No, so he left with uh, soreness in his wrist. Uh, he got was it. leaving on precautionary measures. Now, we've heard precautionary measures 
for the longest time with Jacob deGrom. Uh, it starts as precautionary, and then it starts as see you in spring training next year. Yeah, so I, I think it was his side prior to this injury, and now it was his wrist, this new injury that came up. And yeah, I mean, I guess you're holding your breath if you're a Rangers fan uh, to hear his status. But I mean, you know, everyone keeps tagging us, hey man, this bullpen is good. It's like, yeah, we know. A few weeks ago, you know, once opening week day kicked off, they weren't really the strongest bullpen coming out of the, out of the season. And now they have one of the strongest bullpens. So, you know, we, we're well aware of how great this bullpen is. Let's see if they can keep up with their pace, like I said in the last show, and really just, you know, turn things over and, and make sure that they can secure these wins. Because having those two guys close out games and Jose LeClerc and Will Smith will really help them, uh, I think, mentally get through each game. And, you know, despite Jacob deGrom, they're getting wonderful contributions from the rest of their rotation. Martin Perez, Nathan Avaldi going out there dealing. They got John Gray going tonight. He's been fantastic. Andrew Haney bounced back after that rough first start. Listen, the Rangers are doing everything we knew they could do. And, hey, maybe Bruce Bochy's kind of rubbing off a little bit. Yankees have just been quietly doing their thing. Garrett Cole, uh, Cy Young, I he. Definitely, definitely. He was kind. Of, uh, we kind of forgot about him a little bit, but he on opening day he went out there and he showed that this year he's he's coming for you. Um, they're getting wonderful contributions out of Anthony Volpe playing great defense, stealing some bags. Judge doing Aaron Judge things. Uh, unfortunately, Giancarlo Stanton's going to miss some time, but I'm sure Yankee fans, you've kind of knew that was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm so hard on this team uh, being a fan because I'm just like, they lost Giancarlo. Like, this team doesn't really have like a great kind of uh, rhythm going right now. They're six and four in their last 10. They won the last two games against the Angels, of course, to salvage the series. But, I mean, looking overall the, in the picture, right now they'd face the uh, Baltimore Orioles in the playoffs. They're 12 and seven, they're only four games back of the uh, Rays. They're on top of the wild card by a game. So, I mean, I still think they have a wonderful team. And I think, to your point, Garrett Cole is the anchor of the rotation. I think they do need a little bit more help. Hopefully, Rodon comes back. I think he had a little bit of a setback, so we're not exactly sure when he's going to be back. But hopefully, they get him back relatively soon because I think they do need his presence to kind of solidify a little bit more of their uh, consistency and to have a little more rhythm. So, And with Volpe, he's got a great glove. He's great on defense. We'd like to see a little bit more on offense. I think it's coming slowly, and I think he'll develop into a great five-tool player. Uh, but as of right now, you know, I'd like to see a little more offense come out with him. But taking two out of three against the Angels, we know the Angels' story. They're not, they're not a playoff team, unfortunately. They got two megastars. They can't figure it out. It's it's really unfortunate, but um, you know, that, that's how it goes in Artie Marino's world. Well, before we head to third base, we got to talk Pirates. Pittsburgh Pirates. We all know I'm probably the biggest closet Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Oh, crap. Shouldn't have said that out loud. No. They're off to a 13-7 and start, which is their best since their best 20-game start since 2002. Not even their playoff teams had a start that well. Fazio, we didn't touch up on the Pirates much 
in any of our baseball discussions. We were always favoring teams like the Diamondbacks to surprise you, but I did not touch up on the Pittsburgh Pirates. We all knew the Cubs were going to make a little noise, but we did not talk Pirates. At least not in our predictions, but I mean, ever since that episode, they've kind of been lingering around on each of our episodes. I mean, I mentioned the whole marble race on Reddit where they were in the World Series. Um, I mean, it's kind of freaky that this team was kind of left for dead, really, uh, to start the season. And now, like you said, having the best 20-game stretch since 2002, very surprising stat given that they made the playoffs in the mid-2010s. Uh, you know, with Kutch being the anchor. And speaking of Kutch, this man looks like comeback player of the year to me. I mean, to be honest with you, man, I, I think they got a good shot at making a wild card. And, you know, as of this recording, they're only a game and a half back of the Brewers, which, again, this this division itself is just kind of crazy. Uh, you were just mentioning to, before about the Cubs. Uh, Drew Smiley almost had a perfect game and, and something wacky happened. Tell me more. Wow, look at that. Live updates here on Baseball 360. So a dribbler was hit up the third baseline, fieldable for both the catcher and the pitcher. Drew Smiley and Jan Gomes attacked this ball. Drew Smiley went to go pick it up. Jan Gomes also went to pick it up, and I believe they collided, therefore ruining the perfect game. This happened in the eighth inning. I think it's probably the worst way a perfect game has ever been broken up. Outside of the uh, Galarragas uh, miss call uh, in 2010 with the Tigers, that was probably the worst perfect game breakup. That should have been the perfect game, and Jim Joyce was very, very apologetic after that game. He even cried on field the, the next day, and you know I feel bad for Andres Galarraga. But I think in his book, that was a perfect game, and I think that's how everyone should look at it. But going back to this one, David Peralta, yeah, he hit that ball. It was like kind of a dribbler up the third baseline. Tough to say that Smiley would have thrown him out. It would have been a close play. But once he kind of collided with Gomes and, you know, they kind of just fell on the field, you can kind of see Drew Smiley being like, that's my bad. Like, don't worry about it. Like, I think he kind of knew, like, it's one of those freaky plays that unavoidable, like, he was going for it and he knew, like, that wasn't going to happen. So, hell of a start for him, though. And the Cubs are keeping pace with both these teams in, in the Central, not the Cardinals. So, uh, this is a cre- pretty crazy division, and I love kind of just updating each week on this division because it's just exciting. We're going to head from second on over to third. Enough talking about the National League Central. We got more rule changes coming, guys. Yeah, that's right. They see how we respond to this pitch clock. We tell them, oh, we really like it. It's wonderful. And now they're going to go and try to make more and more rules that don't make much sense. Fazio, tell me what you're seeing. You, you read something the other day. Give the MLB an inch, and we're, they'll ask for a mile. Uh, and that's in a lot of different areas. But going to the Atlantic League here, so it's looking like uh, on opening day, which is on April 28th, uh, the ALPB, the Atlantic League Professional Baseball, will feature a new designated pinch runner rule, a pitcher limit of a single disengagement per at-bat, and the return of the double-hook DH rule. So let's just break this down real quick. So the designated pinch runner rule will allow a player who's not in the starting lineup to be used at any point of the game as a substitute base runner. The player who is subbed out, as well as the pinch runner, would still be able to return to the game. The double hook designated hitter rule allows teams to use the DH throughout the game as long as the starting pitcher throws at least five innings. 
So that's an interesting little uh, caveat there. If that doesn't occur, the team loses its DH and the pitcher spot would bat for the remainder of the game. This was used last year in this Atlantic League. So they're kind of re-upping it again this year. Uh, but it's very interesting that they have this specific rule. And I don't know if I like that specifically for Major League Baseball. Uh, Mike, I'd love to get your take on this one specifically. I think it just comes down to Major League Baseball getting a little too aggressive with these rules. Uh, that designated pinch runner thing is going to keep Terrence score employed for a little while. I don't hate the designated runner rule, but I do know that if they implement that, they'll if they implement that, they'll just keep implementing more rules. I was hoping they would get rid of the extra inning rule, and that looks like that's here to stay. Just I hope they don't get too crazy that with these rules. That's all I'm going to say. I, I don't hate the pitch clock. I think it's working out, but us liking it might have been the worst thing. Yeah, you, we'll have to see how it goes. I mean, I think testing it in this Atlantic League, it's not even in like the regular single, double, or triple A affiliates uh, at all yet. So I think at least for that, like this is more of like an experimental league that you can kind of do these things to test out to see, hey, we can maybe like try this in, in the minors. Let's not try this. Let's just keep this here. So I think having this league kind of test this out, I think it's okay in my book. And I think with Major League Baseball, they're aware that like, they employed a lot of different rules this year. I think they might want to cool the Jets a little bit for a few years before they think about putting in another rule. So I think for at least a couple of years, I think we'll be okay with the current rule system and what we have going on in Major League Baseball without new rules coming in. Unless it's like a super, super minor thing and maybe it's a tweak to a new rule, such as the pitch clock where they may get an additional like couple of seconds in between pitches or something like that to tweak. So... I don't think we have to worry about this too much. I think it's interesting they're testing it out in other leagues. But like I said, I think it's just something as an experiment, keeping it from there. Ten years from now, you and I will be doing this podcast talking about not only robot umpires, but robot players as well. Bring on the umpire robots. I'm all for that, personally. I would love to see that. I'm good. <laughs> I Only at home plate. Give me the human umpires in the field. At home plate, I liked the robot idea maybe if you have like an umpire up in the the press box to kind of track this um uh, this robot umpire to make sure like the calls are being made correctly you know that can make the game go a little bit faster but with that said yeah i, I like the, the robot umpires i'm a personal fan of that that's not a bad compromise i'll give you that thank you thank you i, I thought about this for a while for sure <laughs> fans out there we all enjoy a nice off day Sometimes we like to go for a nice little stroll, little walk in the park. Well, so does Yusei Kikuchi. Yeah, it was funny seeing the pictures because, like, you don't really see a Major League Baseball player, you know, really go out too often to a public place. And he was out in Central Park on his off day on Thursday. But it looked like he was just getting some stretches in. He was warming up his arm. He's starting tonight uh, against the Yankees. So I guess... You know, the Yankees were playing the Angels in the afternoon, so he didn't have much time to be there and, and, you know, do his routine and stuff. So he figured, hey, why not go out to Central Park and do my little routine? And uh, it was cool kind of seeing that. It kind of reminded me of, like, players in, like, the 60s or 70s just kind of, like, doing whatever they wanted to do and not getting bombarded by fans. And, you know, uh, that's not to say that you say Kikuchi is a household name and would get bothered, but I think it's cool kind of seeing this kind of, like, off-the-field kind of stuff, him... You know, being a, one amongst 
the rest in Central Park doing his thing. I think it was pretty cool. Yeah, that was really cool to see. He was wearing his Blue Jays gear too, by the way. So if any casual baseball fan was even there, they could have spotted that. Hey, man of the people, you say, Kikuchi. Now, what would be really funny if he goes out there tonight and absolutely sticks it to the Yankees. I think that would be really, really funny. I'll have to like insert uh, like a little clip from that game if he does do a great job. Of just like, you know, you say Kikuchi, six innings, no earned against the Yankees, something like that. Three hours later. Kikuchi silenced an offense that put up a five spot in the first inning of the Yankees win over the Angels Thursday. So I'll throw that in there in case he does do well, but hopefully he doesn't. Finally, before we head home, I want to talk to you guys about morning baseball. Doesn't everybody love a baseball game that starts 11 a.m. on a Monday? I know Fazio does, being a fantasy baseball league commissioner and all. It was rough, man. Uh, so yeah, as as you may or may not know, the Red Sox Patriots Day, they have the Boston Marathon that day. They like to start early. They like to start at 11 a.m. Uh, they wrapped up their four-game series against the Angels that day. Shohei Otani pitched a hell of a game, as per usual. And uh, for me, personally, I actually got caught up with the day, uh, in my you know day-to-day with work and stuff, uh, my other work. I wasn't really paying attention. And so by the time... My alarm went off. I realized, oh, shoot, I got to lock lineups. And to give everyone an idea out there, we actually have a weekly baseball fantasy lineup, but we have daily changes. So if someone gets injured before Friday's games, we could substitute those players offensively. However, the reason why we're doing it like this is because we don't want to stack starting pitchers. So for you fantasy outlets out there, I would love a format where we have weekly starting pitching and relief pitching lineups and daily offensive lineups for these kind of situations. So I'm praying Yahoo, please do this in the next year. Would love to see that happen. But until that happens, yes, I have to go in there and manually lock lineups each week in order to fulfill these uh, duties. And uh, Patriots Day caught me completely off guard. Forgot to set my own lineup, which is bad job on me, but I was in time to set the commissioner lineup rules. So uh, I guess good job there for me on the other token threw me for a loop. I'm sure it threw a lot of fantasy managers out there for a loop. And uh, yeah, I mean with this kind of rules that we have set in place, once they lock, that's it unless they get injured. So uh, if, if anyone wants to hear more about the intricacies of our lineup or the pro- pro- proposal for me to have weekly pitching lineups and daily offensive lineups, please feel free to comment below Let us know your thoughts on that because I'd love to hear some other people's opinions on this. All right, heading home now with the top three matchups coming up this week, starting with the Astros and Rays. They got a big series going Monday through Wednesday. The Astros are starting to get it clicking. The Rays still off to a great start. Um, This is going to be a hell of a matchup for both teams, a test, I believe. More of a test for the Rays than I think the Astros. Going to be fun to watch. Definitely. The Rays currently right now are actually 10-0 at home. They do face the White Sox this weekend, so we'll see if they'll be able to keep that streak going. And hey, we said that a couple episodes ago. I don't know if they're going to be able to. I'm not going to say that anymore. That They're very possible to go 13-0 against the White Sox and face the Astros there. Uh, so they'll be exciting to watch. They're obviously uh, the best team in the league right now. And the Astros, like we said previously, they're right now they're 9-10. and uh, They got a series coming up against... The Atlanta Braves, that'll be really exciting to watch in Atlanta. So it'll be fun to see what happens there. Uh, and they're three and a half back currently against the Rangers. So, 
you know, the Braves, we'll see. Their, their starting rotation's really solid. Their whole team is clicking. We'll see if they keep them at bay there. Moving on to our other matchup, Dodgers and Pirates. Yeah, we're not going to put these Pirates to bed just yet. Once again, another test for them. See if they could keep these wins rolling. Hopefully they could take another series here in April. Keep the winning momentum going. Let's raise that Jolly Roger out there. Yar! It's going to be great in Pittsburgh. I mean, hopefully those fans show up because I think this is going to be a big series. Dodgers aren't really the greatest team right now. We've touched on this in this episode. Pirates are, are hot. I mean, they're a hot team, man. And, and you know, I, I really hope the fans go out and support them. Uh, they deserve it. These fans deserve every win that they got. They're facing the Cincinnati Reds this weekend, who are 7-12. and 12. Maybe they sweep them. And then they got the Dodgers coming in. That's a huge series for them, especially in April. So I'm loving some Pirate baseball right now. Let's let's see the series be good, a good one for them, for sure. Yeah, who cares? If the Pirates are good, they're good, man. I, I don't mind as a Met fan. I don't feel threatened by the Pirates. Now, if they go out there and they beat us, it'll be a different story. I'll be singing a different tune. <laughs> On to our next series, man. We got the Yankees and Twins in Minnesota. Twins are off to a hell of a start this season. Pablo Lopez pitching his ass off. Got a brand new contract extension. How do you feel about this series for the Yanks? The Twins were kind of threatening them a bit. Uh, Carlos Correa just seems to be the thorn on their side. Each game uh, just seems to dominate them. And now being in Minnesota, uh, the weather I'm sure will be out there a little bit better than uh, you know in previous weeks in Minnesota. But... For the Yankees, I mean, they're hanging in. Uh, these Both these teams are kind of hanging in there. So I expect a, a different series coming out for the Twins, maybe perhaps taking a couple of games. And I, I'll say, you know, having a little home field advantage, I'm, I'm going to say that the Twins take two out of three against the Yankees, and that'll be their first series loss. So um, I'm not really a confident Yankee fan. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm saying all this, but... They got to prove me wrong, and I think that's going to be the theme for this year for the Yankees for me is prove me wrong. You're a very honest and humble Yankee fan. That's why I respect you. <laughs> I mean, someone out there has got to be like that, right? You're a good egg, Fazio. You're a good egg. Uh, anything else you want to say before we uh, wrap this up? Yeah, so, I mean, I want to just touch up on our giveaway, and, you know, we're still hitting our stride a little bit. We got to get to 50 subscribers first, so thank you for those that have subscribed to our channel so far. We love it. Uh, we love seeing the comments roll in, and love seeing the engagement on different applications. Like, I know Instagram, we're getting notifications every day. Facebook, we're getting a bunch of likes from our reels, so I'm going to have to tap into that audience a little more, try to get some of that audience liking us to get onto our YouTube and check us out. Uh, but as far as our giveaway is concerned... We don't really have a winner to announce. Uh, we reached out to two parties. We have yet to hear back from each one. Uh, we'd love to, if there, if you guys are watching, hit us up because we want to give these tickets away. It's only right, only fair that I said we want to be able to give these out. Please reach out to us and we'll make it happen. Uh, so yeah, tickets are out there. We still have that 100 uh, subscriber giveaway to give out as well. So if those that are still wanting to get tickets... Your opportunity is there. It's there for the taking. So um, we'll hit you up as soon as we do get 100 subscribers. But we need to see engagement. We want to see you guys comment, like, subscribe, uh, follow us on all different social media, and hit us up. Like, we're here to entertain you. So we want to do that for you guys. And, uh, you know, Mike, as we round out here, what are some things we could do potentially to tap into more of our audience? 
Well, first I want to say for those of you who have already subscribed, make sure you hit that notification bell as well. These episodes are going out, especially this one, going to be a bit of a surprise. Uh, so you want to make sure you know when this episode's going out. Listen, on our videos, comment things you want to see, you know, just even if it's just random, just comment it, jot it down. We don't care. Any wild ideas, baseball, I mean, keep it in the baseball realm, but you know, we're, we're open for anything. Uh, we should be back to our regularly scheduled programming. So tune in the following Monday for the next episode. We just want to say thanks again for watching.